Hey, we're, we're thankful that you've chosen to be with us. Today we start a brand new series entitled Uncommon Joy. Can you say uncommon? We're gonna talk about uncommon joy. And over the next number of weeks, we're gonna journey together through the book of Philippians. We're gonna talk about this idea of not just common joy, but uncommon joy. I want you to think about all the different ways in your world that you so often try to pursue this thing called joy. I know for myself, I, I tend to be idealistic at different moments. And there's certain things that bring a sense of joy to my heart, one of which it happens every single fall. I've talked about it before. But when the Puyallup Fair is on, the Fisher scones season is back in session. Come on, how many of you love those scones? All right, how many of you could care less about those scones? Wow, tough audience today. Man, I thought revival hit in the last service when I talked about scones. People were, were ready to go. I, I enjoy getting those scones. And this last year, I got a text from my mom that her and my dad had been out in the fair, and they were bringing a bag of a dozen scones to my house. And in that moment, there was just like this wellspring of joy that began to circulate in my heart. And so that night, uh, each of us in our family, my wife and I, Amber, we have three kids, and we all enjoyed a scone. And I knew that the next morning, it was a Saturday morning, that I was going to be able to sleep in a little bit and wake up and enjoy a scone. And so I go to bed that night, and I, I'm still smiling on my face because I know tomorrow morning what's awaiting me. There's, there's a reason to rejoice. And so I wake up the next morning, and I could smell that the coffee had been brewing, and it's just like everything is going according to plan. I roll out of bed. My feet hit the floor. And as I'm walking to the kitchen, I'm not just walking. I'm, I'm kind of skipping, you know, a little bit excited. And I walk out and, you know, it's this picturesque moment of my kids enjoying some of these Fisher scones with the nice warm raspberry jam inside of it. And I walk over with the biggest grin on my face. I grab a cup of coffee and I walk over to that bag of scones ready for my joy to be complete. And I reach into the bag and they have annihilated the rest of the scones. And in that moment, what was meant to be joy instantly turned to wrath. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm sitting there and I look over at them. The bag is empty and I look at my children and they just look at me like this. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? You have robbed my joy. You've taken the last of the scones. It's interesting how quickly we can put our hopes of joy in things that don't always deliver. You see, this idea of uncommon joy, when you talk about the idea, the, the thought, the word uncommon, uncommon is rare. It's exceptional. It's, it's out of the ordinary. I don't know about you, but most people I've met in life, they're not looking for less joy. They're looking for more, aren't they? In fact, how many of you, you could use some increase in the area of joy in your life? Wouldn't it be nice if that joy tank in your life could actually not just be filled, but it could begin to overflow? 
And this idea of uncommon joy, we're going to look together in this small little letter that Paul writes, it's four chapters, to a group of Jesus followers in the city of Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony in the midst of a Greek culture surrounding them. And on Paul's second missionary journey, you can read about this in Acts chapter 16, he plants the first church in Europe. It's in the city of Philippi. And this group of Jesus followers, he had an incredible relationship with them. There was this kind of expression that you'll notice as you read through Philippians of joy, of gratitude. Why is that? Because when Paul was going through some challenges, when Paul faced some trials, these Jesus friends sent aid, they sent resources, they sent people to go and help Paul in the midst of what it was that he was navigating. In these four chapters, you'll notice in one way or another, the idea of joy or rejoicing shows up 19 different times. Now we look at all that and we go, okay, Tyler, that's great, but what's the point? Well, the point is this. When you step back and consider where Paul is writing this letter from, he's not writing it from the beach in Maui. He's actually in prison. And in prison from his place where he is captive, he is writing this joyful, gracious, gratitude-filled expression, understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do in light of how he's working in these believers. Now, if I'm in prison, my letter would not sound like Paul's letter. Come on. My letter would sound like this. Get me out of here. I did not sign up for this. Has anybody else ever faced a season that you did not sign up for? And when you walk into one of those moments, how quickly joy seems to depart. It leaves the area. So what I want us to consider over the next few minutes is what do we actually believe about joy? The Bible talks a lot about joy in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Joy is kind of this common theme for the people of God. But what do we believe about joy? I think before we even go to Philippians, I think we should back up and consider some of the words that Jesus says about this subject. Here's why. Because Paul, as he's writing and he's expressing this idea of uncommon joy, it's rooted, it's founded in who Jesus is inside of him. So I'd love for you to grab your Bibles. Let's look together to the Gospel of John, John chapter 15. In in this section of Scripture, Jesus is talking about abiding. He's talking about relationship with him. He's talking about a few different concepts of obedience and love. And listen to what he says in John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 9. Jesus says, I have told you, or I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Now, it's interesting, Jesus is talking about love and obedience, how they go hand in hand. And now listen to this. Here's the outworking of those things in our lives. He says this in verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled. Can you say filled? You will be filled with my joy. Now pause there for a moment. 
Jesus doesn't say, I've told you these things so that occasionally you'll experience some joy. He doesn't say, I've told you this so that next Thursday, if everything goes according to plan, you're going to experience a little bit of joy inside of your lives. He says, I've told you this so that you will be filled not with your joy, but with whose? His, with the joy of Jesus. And he goes on. He says, yes, your joy will overflow. Man, could you imagine walking through life with the type of joy that doesn't just sit kind of inside occasionally, but a joy that begins to bubble up, it actually begins to express itself in different ways? See, this is what we're seeing in the life of the Apostle Paul as he's writing this letter from prison. There is an overflowing of joy. Where is that joy coming from? It's not because he's tied up. It's not because he's got chains on. That joy is the joy of Jesus. And that joy from Jesus is actually expressing itself. It's working its way out. With that in mind, let's look to Philippians chapter 4. And here's what we're trying to do today. Today we're trying to just create the groundwork of where we're going to go over these next number of weeks. And we're going to jump off here in Philippians chapter 4. And I want us to read verse 4 together. It says this, always, can you say always? It doesn't say sometimes, it doesn't say when it's convenient, it doesn't say when the kids are behaving the way that you want them to. It says always be full of joy, and here's the focus, in the Lord. That's the focus of this call. We're called not to just occasionally express joy. No, in light of who we are in Christ, in light of the fact that he now resides in us, we are called to be full of joy in the Lord. And it goes on. He repeats himself. He says, I say it again. Rejoice. Whenever you see New Testament writers repeat themselves, it's for a purpose. It's not because they got writer's block. They are trying to drive home a point. Always be full of joy in the Lord. What's the call here? The call is not to experience joy just on a feelings level. What is Paul calling these believers to? He's calling them to experience joy through faith, not feelings. In other words, when you recognize I can be full of joy today because I am in the Lord. I am now seated with Christ. I have a new nature. God is working in me. His spirit now dwells within me. Always be full of joy in the Lord. It doesn't say when you feel like it. It says by faith, this is what we are called to do. And why is this challenging? Though this is challenging because I think there's times in life that we treat joy a little bit like my backpack. We look at joy and, you know, we, we see it kind of as optional, depending on what's going on. So have you ever woken up in the morning and you look at joy and you go, Psh, not today. I'll tell you right now, that, that's not, I'm not carrying that with me today. I have no reason to wear that. That does not fit with what I'm walking through. So what do we do? We, we look at joy just kind of as, as optional. But then maybe somebody says the right thing to us. Come on, they, they, they compliment your outfit. They compliment the meal that you make. And you're like, 
finally, finally I have a reason to strap joy on in my life. And so we, we feel this sense of joy. We feel this sense of gratitude for a moment. And then somebody cuts us off. And what do we do? Are you kidding me? And what happens? Joy goes right out the window. But then what, what happens? Oh, Sunday's coming. So what do we, we, we get close to Union Avenue. I know nobody in here has ever dealt with this, right? Get close to Union Avenue, you park the car. Well, time to strap on the joy face, right? So what do we, we walk into church and how you doing? Oh, glory to God, hallelujah, brother. Bless you. How was your week? Couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been better. I mean, it was, it was just like, you know, open heavens. I mean, just amazing, you know? And... We're, we're full of joy for an hour and 10 minutes on a weekend. And then we take a left back onto Union Avenue and we still kind of got it strapped on. And then we pull onto I-5. They're still doing construction? When will it end? Come on, some of you feel like I, I just surveyed your last week, right? I, it's interesting how often we can look at joy just as something that we, we pick up and we put off. When, when it's convenient, we, we strap it on, but, but when things aren't going according to our plan, pfft, no thank you. But here's what we find as we look at scripture together. Jesus creates a joy inside of us that isn't an accessory. He creates a joy that is a characteristic. You see, we'll never experience consistency in joy as long as we see it as an accessory that we strap on. So as long as our, our spouse is doing exactly what we want them to do, then we strap it on. As long as our children are behaving just the way that we expect them to, then there's reason for joy. But the moment anybody does anything different, what do we do? There's no reason for me to have joy right now. You ever been there? No, no, yeah. <laughs> No, Tyler, I have no clue what you're talking about. See, here's what we learn in life. People do things that you don't expect them to do. Stuff shows up in our friendships, in our relationships. People hurt us. We get a diagnosis physically that we did not sign up for. We face a financial challenge. We battle an addiction, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves going, nope, not today. Joy is not going to be a reality. But when we're talking about joy, listen, the Bible talks about an uncommon joy, a rare joy, an exceptional joy, a joy that goes beyond what we can strap on or take off. You see, the joy that Jesus provides, the joy that Jesus has created, it's not designed, my friends, to be an accessory on your life that you take off and take on. No, instead, it's a 
characteristic that he's cultivating. That's why Paul later on in the book of Galatians, he talks about the evidence of the Spirit. And he, he says this in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. We know this. Many of us, we've heard these words. He's producing, he's developing these, these characteristics. Who's doing it? It's not us. It's the Spirit of God. And it says that he develops this kind of fruit. Love. What's the second one? Joy. How many of us have ever looked at these characteristics? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we go, you know what? Today's my day to be loving. But it's definitely not my day to be patient. It's interesting how we want to pick and choose. But what the Spirit is doing in our lives, he's wanting to cultivate not just an accessory of joy, he's wanting to cultivate a characteristic of joy in our lives. Not something we take off and put on. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He, he made this statement in one of his quotes. Can we put that up, C.S. Lewis? He says, don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Woo! That hits close, doesn't it? Because there's a difference between happiness and joy. And yet so often we, we tether our joy, we tether kind of the, the gratitude that we feel in life to things that could come or go. And yet what does Jesus want to do in us today? He wants to create a characteristic of joy. See, Paul, as he's writing, he's, he's in chains. He's suffering for the sake of Christ. And yet you continue to see this place of joy, this place of gratitude. The question that I want you to consider is, where are we going to look to to find joy in our lives? What are we going to focus on? See, I think some of us, we look to our choices. Can you say choices? We're looking to find joy through our choices, and so as long as I, I'm making the decisions, and so if I can somehow put enough decisions together to lead me to joy, I'll find it. So what do we do? We, we choose to buy the new car. We choose to kind of pursue that new career path, thinking that somehow our choices are going to lead us to a place of joy. But here's the problem with pursuing joy simply through your choices, is all of the pressure for joy is on your shoulders. You ever made a bad choice? And then all of a sudden, joy goes right out the window. See, if we want to experience a joy that's consistent and not just this roller coaster of ups and downs, we need to look to something greater than just our choices to find joy. Another option is we look to our circumstances. Can you say circumstances? So we think that we will find joy through our circumstances. Here's the problem. Our circumstances are like this backpack. When everything is going according to plan, well, now my circumstances give me a reason to be happy. And so here's what happens when we look to our circumstances. We, we kind of say something like this, I will find joy if, and then there's a big fill in the blank. I will find joy if... I get the grades that I want to get in school. I will find joy if I get the bonus that I'm looking for. I will find joy if that person gets their act together. 
But here's the problem with looking for joy in your circumstances is that at the end of the day, we're never in control of all of our circumstances, are we? We're not the ones in control. Sometimes circumstances happen that we weren't expecting, we didn't sign up for. And so what's a greater place for us to look to, to actually experience joy in our lives? And here's what I want to encourage us to look to. We look for joy through Jesus' commitment to us. As we consider this letter that Paul is writing, he's writing from prison. And here's one thing that Paul is certain of, and you see it all throughout these four chapters. And over these next four weeks, we're going to dive deep into these truths. Is that Paul understands, even though none of the circumstances, even though none of the things around him are ideal, he is certain of one thing, that Jesus is fully committed to him. And can I tell you, Today, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus is committed to you. How do I know that? How could I make a statement like that? Here's why. Because before we ever took a step in his direction, he was willing to lay down his life. He was willing to be sacrificed. Scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that it doesn't say, he waited till you got your act together, and then he died for you. We'd be in trouble. See, when you begin to step back and understand, Jesus is committed to me. That means in the high points and in the low points, guess what? He is committed. And because he is fully committed, I can be fully committed to him. And through his commitment to me, I find not just a joy that I strap on and then throw off. I find a joy that becomes a characteristic. Why? Because even in those dark moments, even in those difficult places, even when it feels like life is coming apart, I know that he's committed to me. I know that he's greater than my choices. I know that he's greater than my circumstances. His commitment surpasses everything that I can begin to understand. You want to know the starting point of joy? It's when you embrace that truth. Jesus is committed to me. He loves me. He's not going to let me go. He's not going to turn his back on me. He's not going to lose sight of what I'm journeying through. He is committed. And in light of that, friends, I, I want you to consider for a minute where your joy tank is at today. If I was to put it on a scale between zero and 10, I wonder where some of us, we would register. Maybe some of us, we are, we're not just a 10. I mean, we are like a 12. It's just overflowing. Wonders if there's others of us, though, where we would say, man, it's, it's somewhere on there. I just, I don't know. Others of us, maybe it's been locked up in some other location. We're waiting for the choices or the circumstances to get there and Today, here's what I want to invite us into over the next number of weeks. What if collectively we, we allowed the Spirit of God to cultivate a joy in us that's not conditioned to our circumstances, that's not just determined by what's going on around us, but there is a characteristic that the Holy Spirit is developing in us. Uncommon joy. Uncommon. See, it's not, a, it's not set aside just for a select few. It's not a personality trait. It's something that God wants to develop in each and every one of us. I love what the psalmist says 
He says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. What this means for you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, wherever I step, since I know that God's presence is with me, I have the ability to experience fullness of joy. That's exactly what our friend Paul is expressing, what he's experiencing. And my prayer is that you and I, we would heed the words of Jesus in John 15, that his joy can be in us and that joy can begin to overflow. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I wanna take a moment to pray for a couple of specific things. First, I wanna pray for those of us, maybe we're not yet followers of Jesus. Maybe we've never put our trust in the work that he's done for us. See, the truth is today, if, if you've been looking for joy, I firmly believe that we'll never find the type of joy that is available to us without coming to this place where we know that our debt is paid, that our sin is forgiven. And the challenge is religion will never do that for us. Our works of trying to clean ourselves up will never do that for us. It's not about trying harder, it's about trusting. It's about trusting Jesus. So today across this room, or maybe you're watching online and you'd say today, Jesus, I wanna know that I'm forgiven. I wanna put my trust in you. I wanna experience that joy that's available to me. If that's you today, would you simply raise a hand, just hold it up for a moment and say, yeah, that's me. God, I put my trust in you. I wanna know that my sin is forgiven. I wanna know that I have a fresh start. Thank you. Anybody else say, yeah, that's me. Thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Can we pray this prayer out loud together? Would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today I put my trust in you. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you make me a new creation? And help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate all those who made that decision this morning?